0: in this episode with Georgia lines i
1: didn't i didn't feel very often like oh maybe i should listen to them you know i don't i don't actually remember feeling like that at all i probably would walk away and be like ugh why why don't they think i can do it or why don't they think someone like at some point someone has to to be able to push through like and kind of just feeling that's i mean that's very when i was 18 very much like well, I don't have a backup plan. This is my plan and I'm throwing myself at it and I'm just going to see what happens. And I was very much like, I don't really understand why you were telling me I should have a backup plan. And a really big conversation internally that I was having, like, how can I do this? How can I do what I feel like I'm you know, called to do? How do I make that happen? Um, so I, ent- I mean, I entered into Rock Quest in my last year of high school. Well, I entered in every year I could actually, <laughs> from year, I think year eight or year nine, didn't get through the first heats, you know, the first two years, and then the last year I did it, I actually won the national solo duo for that, which was awesome, um, and it kind of just gave me the boost of confidence of being like, oh, I actually, maybe I am good at this. Like maybe I can pursue this. And there was no like, yay, you've won. Here's all these opportunities that come from it now and make your path really easy. Like none of that didn't happen for me. Um, but it kind of gave me that boost of being like, oh, okay, I can yeah. do this. I mean, it's never easy. It's never it's – never, there's moments of it being easy, moments of going to the studio where you're like, oh, that was a great day of just smashing a song out on a day. But 90% of the time it's just the grind and going back into the studio and, you know, I've got 40 songs to pick my favourite 12 and I don't even think I've got 12 in there. And so now I'm like, okay, now I have to go back to these songs and pick which ones I'm going to rework and rewrite. And, you know, I don't think it's easy, but it's, it's worth it. I have always had the mindset that we need people on our team to help us do the things that we can't do. But they need to be the right people because, you know, if you have the wrong people one degree off, you know, over time you end up in a completely different place than you want to be.
0: Hello. <laughs> uh, Georgia, thanks for coming, first of all. Thank thanks you. Thanks for taking thanks time for out me. of your busy schedule. I know you have been extremely busy and probably still are. So I appreciate you uh, giving up time to come and talk to us today. Um, and what I'd like to do is start with a question based on, yes. a, on the title of our show. Yes. Life's work. Now, I know you're still a, a young person. Uh, youthful youthful. (laughs) Um, and so this is not about like retrospective what has been your life's work it's what is your life's work Mm. um, as far as you're concerned how do you how do you see that how would you describe it
1: I mean I feel like that's a conversation that I'm constantly navigating in terms of being like I feel and I've felt this since I was like 12 years old a sense of I feel called to be in the music industry, for lack of a better word. Like I I don't know what it was. I don't know why I just felt this. Like I feel like with my life I want to write songs, I want to play shows and I want to be someone that remembers people's names in the industry and, you know, regardless of where it takes me and what it looks like, like I want to be someone that... Encourages people and someone that, I mean, remembering someone's name is a really important thing to me in terms of like, it says a lot when you're in that industry and you're playing a show and you acknowledge people and you say thank you. Like, even though that feels like such a funny thing, I feel a sense of calling to be that kind of person, Um, to be, for lack of a better word, like a light or a sense of like, like a a good role model in that space. Um, You know, I I grew up, like, watching Brooke Fraser and all of these amazing female Kiwi artists that I was just, like, as a kid, so inspired by that they would be doing their thing, owning that space, and be completely themselves. And I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to write music and feel like I've got something to give and, you know... I just was constantly creating stuff as a, kid, as a kid. So I feel like music was just a natural extension of that. And in terms of, like, my life's work, I feel like it morphs and changes as to what that looks like. Obviously, in every season, it's, like, looks different and the schedule changes and having to navigate, like, what to say yes to, what to say no to, and, you know, all of that fun stuff that you have to do as an adult. But I feel like my life's work is... ...being in the music industry, being a writer, being someone that fills that
0: space. Mm, yeah. yeah, That's awesome. What I like about what you said as well, it's not just what, it's how. Mm. So what is the music industry? But the how bit
2: mm. about
0: being that person who remembers people's names... Mm. ...you know, who's is polite, courteous, grateful, that kind of thing. It's important, right?
1: It goes a long way.
0: It does go a long way. So where does that come from? Where does that, where does that side of you come from?
1: I mean probably a big chunk of a lot of things like I grew up um, in a family with a faith that's like been a really important part for me as a human being I grew up in you know a sense of community of having people older people around me surrounding me encouraging me um, and just in a family that that's been really important and you see when you're involved in those conversations and you are polite and you do appreciate someone how much further that gets you and you're not doing that in a way of like trying to manipulate someone at all because that's not i feel like where it comes from but it, you genuinely feel like if you acknowledge someone or if someone acknowledges you and you feel a sense of someone sees me like you want to do more for them and you want to go the extra mile or you want to you know work for that person like it just that's just how it works like my parents have had their own business for 20 how old am I 27 I think 26 27 years they've you know run their own business and you know we constantly have these conversations where they go well if you're going to run your own business like how you treat people is really important because it means people want to work for you or they don't you know and that's I mean that's massive You want people on your team that want to be on your team and that support your vision, that are behind you and in your corner and, you know, because otherwise you've got the wrong people on the bus driving you in a direction that you don't really want to go.
0: I suppose, though, when you're also in your own business as well, you you know, your customers, you want them to come back. So you want people to to engage in a real positive way, don't Mm -hmm. you? That that means that people feel like they were valued as a customer and therefore they'll come back.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So, so have you learned that from your parents, do you think? As you've yeah, I think trying? so. And, and at the, on, on the converse of that, has, has there been any times where you've not been treated like that and that stood out to you and, and so that, that maybe contributed to you thinking, I don't want to be that person?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like my whole life I've been in conversations or like you meet people and, oh, what's your name again? Oh, can you, can you do that for me or, you know... I feel like that's just humans. Like you either get people that really appreciate you and that really rubs off on you or you get people that don't and that really rubs off on you and you're like, I do not want to be someone that treats another person this way because it doesn't make you feel good, you know, and you pick up on that when you're a kid, when you have a teacher that encourages you and is someone that like sees you and goes, like, I see you and you're doing a really good job and then you have a teacher that doesn't point those things out or, d- I mean, that's a really simple example. Like, I mm. think any age, you pick up on how someone treats you yeah, like, and how that affects you. Um, so in terms of, like, specific examples, like, I can't think of one person. I just feel like, you know...
0: do you, I, I'll be honest with you. I feel like that's the norm. Yes. And then... The exception is the people that, like you're talking about, that you are and mm-hmm. that you, you know, are focused on being. They stand out because they're different.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, when you get...
1: It's refreshing. Yeah,
0: it is, it is. <laughs> hey, when someone acknowledges you or recognises you or sees you, as you put it, which is a good mm. way of seeing it, um, or, you know, gives you the the good customer service, it stands good out. Good customer
1: service is everything. Yeah. If someone remembers my name, when I go in for a coffee, I'm like, this is where I come to get a coffee every week. Yeah. Not that I drink coffee anymore. I used to. But, <laughs> you know, that customer service is everything because it's how you leave someone, like how you leave them when they leave your shop. Or mm. And if – I mean, I'm definitely the type of person if someone doesn't acknowledge me or I get a real sassy, moody vibe from someone, I'm like, I don't want to buy something in here even if I mm. want – to buy something from here?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a shame that that's the way it is though, right? Yeah. That there's so much of that. But I think that might be a reflection of some of the things we were talking about just before we started mm. this conversation around you know, how many people are happy at work. I think that's mm. what what we get in the way of customer service is a reflection of how people feel being at work. Mm. Anyway, we'll get yeah. to work. We'll talk about your work very <laughs> soon. But before we do, I, I want to dip a bit further back into your childhood. You've talked about it. You've touched on it. So can you tell me about your family context?
2: Yeah, You're Like sure. where
0: you grew up, what your family looked like. Yep. And importantly, what was Georgia like as a young girl?
1: <laughs> I would love for us to be friends right now, the 12-year-old version of myself... ...and I feel like we'd just have a real good time. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Todonga, This has been my hometown. I'm 27, well, just about to turn 27 i say just about October. We're almost there. All oh, right. Okay. Not big birthday person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Planning already.
1: Planning already. Um, so, grew up in Tauranga. I've got a younger brother who's 20 – what year are we? Twenty twenty-three. 23. He's 23. He's a 2000 baby. Um, younger brother and then two parents um, who run an interior design company um, in the Mount and have run that – which is, you know, ebbs and flows, what that's looked like for the last 20-something years. Um, In terms of what I was like as a child, I had a lot of energy, Mm -hmm. still have a lot of energy. (laughs) Um, Very creative. I was always making circuses and shows and, you know, your parents would have friends over, my parents would have friends over, and I would be like, all right, we've got to make a show for them tonight, <laughs> you know. So that was very much my personality. I just loved making things and I loved baking and learning languages. And, I mean, sad to say I can't really speak any language. I cannot speak any language fluently other than English. Um, but I loved, I loved learning. I loved school. I loved... Um, yeah creating, writing, like sewing like I just, I would buy I'd love, I loved op shopping sort of, I would buy like a curtain at the op shop, bring it home and my mum would be like what is that? (laughs) Like that is awful and dirty and I'd be like it's floral it's really cool and I would make it into some kind of outfit and you know make a top or a skirt that I would probably wear once and it would rip and you know, mm. was very. My parents would say, I'm very rip tear bust, like, I would just mm. make something happen and just throw it together and it would be great. And that was very much me as a child, and still, I feel like, is very much me as an adult. Um, had my own t shirt business when I was 12, so I went. My very first concert was a Brooke Fraser concert in Hamilton, and I would. I mean, I would have been maybe 11. And I remember buying a black T-shirt that was this big B, obviously her merch. I think it must have been before the show because clearly the whole entire show I was thinking about how much I just paid for this T-shirt and how much it would have cost it to make. And I just remember sitting there and being like, Surely that this didn't say it was $40. Surely this didn't cost her $40 to make. Like, and my parents are like, yeah, no. You know, like, watch the concert. And I'm just sitting there, like, my brain's just ticking away. And so I left the concert, and I was like, I can do this. I can make my own t-shirt business. And so I did. Um, I had a business partner who was also the same age, and her mum worked in, what's it called when they have, um, like, heaps of different clothing brands, like wholesale. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: Whatever that is. Um, so I had all the contacts, employed someone to do, you know, graphic design for me, and I sold them at the little big markets when the little big markets in Tauranga first started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sold t shirts and did that for <laughs> a little while. Um, Successful? I mean, I made money. Yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah.
2: What?
1: What's successful for a twelve-year-old? No, I don't. I I have I think three t-shirts that I've kept because I just I just have a box of things that I keep because I'm like, well, I'm never going to make these t-shirts again. Um. So I don't have boxes in the backyard somewhere hiding. So successful. I brought my business partner out for two hundred dollars.
0: Right.
1: Yep. And I mean, I made. Made money, it, like what's successful for a twelve-year-old? Like you sell T-shirts at the market and you yeah, pumped yeah.
0: and you. But at least I, what, I, what I meant, I think, by successful was at least you did it, right? Yeah. Because I think I'd had conversations with my eldest daughter, who looks uh, after our social media and wasn't here today. <laughs> uh, she would have loved this conversation mm. because she also had an idea for a T-shirt business mm-hmm. at seven years old.
2: Awesome.
0: Wrote a business plan, but never actually followed through and did it. So at least you did it. That was successful. Mm-hmm. It was good. And you sold them.
1: Yeah, sold them. Yeah. Learned a lot about how business worked and having to pay bills and having to learn the process of what you do when you have an idea and you want to follow through with it. And then you have, you know, bills to pay and profit and all of that kind of stuff. So, and And
0: and Were you learning that from your parents because they were in business?
1: Yeah, I mean, they were walking that, like, through with me every step of the way in terms of helping me figure out I mean as a 12 year old you're kind of limited as to like understanding you know profit and loss and all of that kind of stuff that you have to learn at some point but unless you I mean with t-shirts it was like I, I learned it quickly because it was my business and I care a lot about it and I wanted to make money because that was me as a kid I was always like how can I make money how can I I'd sell avocados on the side of the road, and as soon as I had sold the box of avocados, I'd go into the fridge and sell whatever was in the <laughs> fridge. And, like, you know, my poor mum's just like, I just done the groceries. <laughs> um, so, in, t- in terms of like, I feel like my parents really, and still do, really guided me through a lot of the business aspect of, I mean, you know, you're 12 year old, you don't really know, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was amazing. But the try. fact that you
0: did, <laughs> the fact that you didn't know, and you gave it a go, say something about your character, right? Mm. That you're willing to give things a go, put yourself out there and try. So you were creative. You're mm. a performer. Uh, independent, I would say as well. Yeah. I mean, buying your business partner out and, you know, independent. <laughs> I, and and I, I see a lot of in the research for this conversation. I see a lot of that still in who you are today. Obviously, you're a performer and you're a creator, but independence as well. So, and mm. we'll, we'll, we'll come we'll come to that in a little bit. So, but so you talked about your family, yes? Musical family, or where, where did the music bit come from? Because you were creating, you were baking, you were making t-shirts, you were doing yeah. performances for people coming over. But you know, where did the music bit come in?
1: I mean, I didn't actually start singing until year six, so last year of primary school. Like I'd done SingStar, and you know you've got sing star happening in the house. So that's very different for, you know, I went through this real nasal singing phase, which was not cool at all, but I do remember thinking I was really cool. I think the Britney Spears, you know, everything that was happening in that moment of time, I was like, well, I need to sing like that. And so that really bled through into my sing star. (laughs) But the very first time that I sang in front of anyone was at a school talent quest where I sang, I don't know if you remember High School Musical when that mm. came out.
2: No. No. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs>
1: so when that came out, I was like, oh, like I'm going to do this Troy and Gabriella scene for my school talent quest. And so, you know, we practiced this with a bunch of our friends and I walked through the auditorium with my white lab coat on and had this, you know, moment with my friends and sang. And I think my parents were like, oh, I could – ...can actually sing. Um, you know, my dad can sing. My mum played the piano. I mean, she's got a piano at home she hasn't played it in a really long time. <laughs> but they're definitely musical. Um, both sides of the family would argue that it comes from their side of the family. You know, being like, oh, well, your grandmother was musical. or You're... So I don't really know. It just comes from everywhere. Um My brother is also super talented, plays the drums, sings, writes, um, produces. Like, he played drums for me for quite a few years. Um, And, yeah, so I started in that – really started in the intermediate age and stage, started writing, picked up the guitar, did guitar lessons, started to write songs and figure out, like, I really enjoyed writing. I think the first song I ever recorded, I recorded with Luke Thompson. So he had a studio out at a friend's house um, that my they were friends with my parents, and so I went out there and you know Luke is this guy that's been in the music industry and been doing really cool stuff and um, recorded you know the song that has never seen the light of day and probably will never see the light of day <laughs> <laughs> and. Yes, yeah, just started writing. I played piano when I was younger as a kid, but I really, I struggled with my teacher and the approach because I really wanted to play. I mean, I was a massive Brooke Fraser fan. I wanted to learn how to play her songs, and play chords, and that obviously didn't fit into, um, you know how she was teaching with like reading music and doing grades, and so I stopped. Um, and it wasn't until. towards the end of high school where I was writing more and more and I was like, I really want to learn the piano, that I discovered YouTube and how great of a teacher YouTube is um, and learnt, you know, how to play chords and kind of learnt everything backwards. I figured out how to do it, but then I wanted to learn the theory. Um, So, yeah, high school was a really pivotal moment for me as, like, an artist and a writer and realising, like, I really wanted to continue this on past just, you know, entering... So it was about that time that you
0: were thinking that this might be a career for you.
1: Yeah, and I had no idea how to do that. Like, that was quite an overwhelming concept of figuring out how do I pursue a career in a creative industry where there is no pathway. Like, there is no set pathway of, you know, if you want to be a lawyer, this is what you do. Or you want to be a doctor, this is what you do. Um, But if you want to be a musician or you want to be a writer... Like what do you what do I do what do I do to and I yeah what do I do to guarantee that I can do this as a job and there is no guarantee so that was kind of like a a weird and a really big conversation internally that I was having like how can I do this how can I do what I feel like I'm you know called to do how do I make that happen um so I, ent- I mean, I entered into Rock Quest in my last year of high school. Well, I entered in every year I could actually. <laughs> from year, I think year eight or year nine, didn't get through the first heats. You know, the first two years, and then the last year I did it. I actually won the national solo duo for that, which was awesome. Um, and it kind of just gave me the boost of confidence of being like, oh, I actually, maybe I am good at this. Like, maybe I can pursue this. And there was no like, yay, you've won! Here's all these opportunities that come from it now, and make your path really easy. Like none of that didn't happen for me, um, but it kind of gave me that boost of being like, oh, okay, I
2: can
0: yeah. do this. So, if, so it, thankfully you you won, um, <laughs> and, uh, and and here you are today, which is great. If if you hadn't have won at that point in time, do you think if you hadn't have had that kind of confidence boost? Mm. Would that have deterred you in any way, do you think?
1: No. I don't think so. I mean, I was a very, and still am, very determined teenager, child, human. <laughs> you know, I very much was like, if I, if I want to do something, I will do it. Once I get an idea in my head, I just, everything, you know, funnels through into that. Right. idea I okay. mean it's great but that's very much where my ripped tear bus like oh I've got an idea I'm gonna do this and yeah. I just yeah. go and I don't necessarily think about it all I have gotten a lot better at that but you know I think because I felt that deep sense of love for what I was doing and writing and going well actually someone has to make a job out of this Like, people can't just say... Because I would have a lot of people say, well, not many people make it in the industry. Like, no one makes it. It's a very hard industry to get into. Like, what's your backup plan? And that was the constant conversation from every second person. Like, oh, well, what are you going to study? Oh, not many people make it in that industry. Like, And so I was like, but someone has to. Like, at some point, someone has to... Because music continues on, so... Why can't I do that? So, in terms of like, if I hadn't won the competition, I mean, my approach might have been different, or I might have just had to navigate a little bit more of. I mean, I feel like I've navigated a lot of disappointment, but I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's I, I feel like right? I, s- yeah, I think about totally. the
0: difference between people who are successful and maybe less successful, or successful, should we say. Um, it's that level of determination of how long you keep, you just keep going, keep mm-hmm. pushing. So, so the people who were saying to you, because uh, I can imagine that, you know, um, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, what's your backup plan just in case, you know, um, did that kind of, how, how did you respond to that? How did you, you know, was that like, was it chipping away at you, or was it making you more determined to prove them to them yeah. that actually, now I can do this?
1: I think probably I, I didn't, I didn't feel very often like oh, maybe I should listen to them. You know, I don't I don't actually remember feeling like that at all. I probably would walk away and be like, ugh, why, why don't they think I can do it? Or why don't they think someone, like, at some point, someone has to, to be able to push through, like, and kind of just feeling that's, I mean, that's very, when I was 18, very much like, well, I don't have a backup plan. This is my plan, and I'm throwing myself at it and... I'm just going to see what happens. And I was very much like, I don't really understand why you were telling me I should have a backup plan, you know, which (laughs) maybe that's what's gotten me to, you know, it's been nine years or eight years of pursuing this. Like maybe that's the attitude and the mindset that has gotten me to this point. But
0: I think there's something in that. I, I remember watching, it was like one of those videos that broke the internet type thing. I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about the same sort of thing, and he says he doesn't have a plan B, because when you have a plan B, it kind of splits your focus. Yeah. So you just have a plan A, and that's, it, and that's essentially your approach, isn't it? Yeah. You've got a plan A, and I'm just focused on that. This
1: is what I'm doing. that's what I'm going to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, <laughs> where do you get that tenacity from? What, you know, what, is there a... You know, do you follow one of your parents in that respect, or are they both like that, or...?
1: My mum is, in the best way possible, really sassy. Like, <laughs> you know, I feel like sassiness sometimes gets like a bad rap. Like, I can be quite <laughs> sassy. And my mum is very... I mean, she's had, been in business for years and, you know, navigated through the recession and having a lot of staff and having minimal staff and moving buildings and changing business plans and, you know... It's a long time to be in the same business and to run a successful business and to... My who and my dad have worked together for a long time. Um, and she's really wonderful and very good at keeping harmony but also very good at, should say, putting your, you know, big pants on and having to just, like, have the hard conversations. And she's always been really good at that and, you know, carries a really... Great level of sass when she needs to have it, mm. and I feel like I've watched that and watched how she's, you know, treated her staff and looked after her staff and, and my dad too. Love my dad, um, but you know how she's led and how she's kind of carried on and gone. Okay, this is really hard. I need to carry, carry on. I need to pick myself up. I need to have those really hard conversations that I don't really want to have, but unfortunately, I'm the boss and I have to have those conversations. Um, so there's probably been, for sure, elements of that that I've picked up on and, like, learnt.
2: Mm.
1: Um, my dad is super positive and very much, like, you can do it. Of course you can. Like, keep going. I know it's really hard, but you can keep going. Like And that, that positivity, I think, has been really contagious for me and really necessary, especially through COVID and the last, like, you know, handful of years where it's been a wild journey in my job, I feel like that positivity is something that I've really needed um, and probably has gone hand in hand with that, like, grit in terms of going, you know, you need grit, but you need positivity. You need to look at it at going, like, I can do this. Like, what is the internal conversation? What is the, the mindset that's happening here? So I feel like between the two of them, those have been like really helpful.
0: <laughs> and so <laughs> really you were saying there things. about about your dad being really, you know, ultra positive. So I'm taking from that your parents weren't some of those people who were saying about having a backup plan. Were they no. very supportive of you pursuing this?
1: Yeah. yeah, which I know is not normal. Like so many people in the music industry have, don't have supportive, you know family or friends or I mean probably more so friends because they find people that support them but I know that's not really common and I'm really lucky like my parents have hardly missed a show and when they can't go to a show you know my dad's so gutted and he's like I can't come to the show I'm like dad it's okay you literally come to every show since I was you know 15 and but I feel I feel that support like I feel carried by them and I've I mean you need that I had a kid ask me I was a part of um, this tour the last month called National Young Leaders Day and did this Q&A in every session and the kids would ask a question and I had this one kid stand up and ask like do you think you can do music by yourself and I thought that was such a fascinating question especially for you know 12 13 year old to ask because I was like no you can't Like I don't feel, even though I'm a solo artist, I do have a band, but there is no way that I could ever do what I do without people and without support and without a sense of like people surrounding me and carrying me because I'm like isolation is the worst thing ever for any human being in any situation, let alone when you're in the music industry and you're throwing yourself at, you know, something creative in your – Needing to be on all the time, you need people to support you. You need people to see you outside of your craft, to see you outside of who you are as an artist, and just love you as a person. Um, so,
0: yeah. yeah. So independence, yes, and isolation are two obviously different things. Very, Independent yeah. doesn't mean by yourself, does no. it? it? means doing your thing and you're standing on your feet and you can yeah. you can and drive comp- yourself, yeah. Confident but in that. you need People, you need other people and support in order to be able to achieve. Yeah, I like can in any aspect of life. Really, we all need each other, mm. even though we don't sometimes recognise that.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Should I add Andy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you know my dad? I worked
0: <laughs> with Andy. Remember, so you know what I'm talking about then. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember him coming into work with uh, your very first CD. There was a, c- a CD <laughs> that you you made. I think it must have been the first one. Um, I was. I'll be honest with you. I was in the loft of my house last night for an hour. Yeah. Looking for it. I, I've, I know it. I know it's somewhere, but I can't put my finger on How it.
1: How many years ago would that have been? Were you working for
0: Loadstar? I want. I want. I was. Yeah. I was in. those off that The same office. That's so good. It would have been <laughs> maybe ah, maybe nine years ago. Something. I want to say something like nine that. Nine, eight, nine, mm-hmm. ten years ago. I had to. Had to tell, really.
1: I'm trying to think what would have lived on that CD 8, 9, years ago.
0: <laughs> well, that's why I was trying to dig it out. But the what, what, reason for raising it was... Actually, I remember your dad being so proud of you.
2: Mm.
0: You know, that was just... You, you could feel that sense of pride.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, you know? Which which is amazing, eh?
1: It's, it is amazing. And yeah. I, f- I feel that. Like, I feel... Mm. I feel that. And I think, I mean, having and a family and a support network that has been nothing but supportive mm. has, has carried me and has been so important. Like, mm. I just don't think I could have navigated through, especially COVID, because that was really hard. I don't think I could have kept going without other people saying, remember why you do this. Mm. You love it. I know it's really hard right now. Yes, it sucks having your own business, doesn't it? Oh, it sucks having to pay tax, but you know what? It's okay. Everybody has to pay tax. Like, everybody has to navigate this as a small business. Like, you can do this. And having, I just, yeah, like you're saying, like that feeling, that sense of like, oh, I've got people behind me that love me yeah. and support me and feel proud of me. Yeah. Like, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. 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 I
1: love it. I love my parents. They're great.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So can you tell me? I, I'm really interested, um, in... I, and because my youngest daughter, who was trying to get sing lessons with you by the way, but you're far too busy and, and important <laughs> I'm now. So for sorry, Grace. <laughs> um, but that's um, that's all good. That's all good. I, I, she, you're, you're inspiring her <laughs> in different good. ways. You are. But you know, I, I I sit and watch her, and she sits there and writes songs, and i have mm-hmm. like, I have no idea where does that come from. Where how do you how do you start writing mm-hmm. songs? Like and you were you were a teenager, uh, you know, at school, and you and you wanted to write. Mm. You didn't want to, want to just sing, covers. You wanted to write songs.
2: Mm.
0: Where does that come from? And like you said before, where do you start? Not just in the music industry, which I, I'd like to get to, but mm. where do you even start to write songs? And what do you write about? What are you inspired by?
1: <sighs> I mean, great questions. Where do you start? I mean looking back now how i would answer that question would probably be very different to what i would say when i was in year nine maybe Um, where do you start like i feel like i was very much overwhelmed at the idea of how do i get to my end goal how do i get there how do i create a pathway you know, because in my mind, I was like, I need somewhere to follow. I need, I need something to to hang on to, because otherwise, I'm just kind of walking blind. Which obviously I had to do, um, but I think breaking it down and going, I just have like it's okay to just do the step in front of me. It's okay to just this week I'm going to learn an instrument. Not learn an instrument in a week But you know what I mean Like this week I'm gonna I'm going to get better at something Or I'm going to try and write a song Like I don't have to write The best song I'm ever gonna write this week I don't have to release A song that I haven't written this week No one's asking me to do that I'm just gonna take the very first step Towards my goal of Okay if my goal is I wanna make this my career Or I wanna be writing releasing music And make you know Living off this, that's my goal. Okay, well, if I'm 13, right now I probably don't have to pay any bills. I'm just going to learn how to play the piano. I'm going to learn one song this week. I'm going to learn a cover or I'm going to write a chorus or I'm going to read a book or listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video on songwriting. Um, In terms of when I was that age, what I was writing about was very much like what I was experiencing. And how, I remember going into like a rest home. I don't know why I was in there because there was no one, I think maybe I was singing the national anthem for Anzac Day or something. And I remember meeting this lady and she had dementia and she was talking to me as if I was her daughter. And I left that conversation feeling like, man, I want to write a song about this because it was such a personal conversation that I felt, so moved by and I wrote the song called Oh June and I think I was about 15 at that time and so a lot of the conversations that I was having with people or how I experienced someone or what I would see the world as I would write about and I would just I just felt like I could write about it so I'd be like, oh well I've had a conversation with this person I'm going to put that in my song um I mean, now I still feel like that's very much the same in terms of, like, I write about what I feel, I write about what I've walked through, what I'm walking through. It's like a processing, journaling, therapeutic thing for me to write a song. Like, I can sit down and go, okay, well, I'm really feeling this, Um, or I didn't want to write about that at the time, but I'm going to revisit that place and I'm going to write about that moment or that person or that loss or um, you know so that's often what I'm writing about but it took me a really long time to feel what's the word like for so long I was like oh writer's block I've got writer's block I can't write today oh well can't write today oh well it's been another week can't write today another writer's block and I remember reading this book um, called The War the War of Art. Mm. I always get confused between that. Have you read that book?
0: I haven't, no. It's really but good. Because they are out of war yes. and then the war of art. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I remember my, a friend of mine giving that book to me and he and his wife, they were both creatives. He was a songwriter and she was a filmmaker. And they were like, it was for my birthday, and they're like, you need to read this book. And basically the whole book is about like how writer's block doesn't exist and how writer's block is the enemy of what you're trying to do. Like it's it will do and create any excuse for you to not do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling so confronted with that of, oh, I've been stuck in this writer's block for so long, too scared to write, too nervous about what I'm going to say. What if my song that I'm going to write is not good enough? What if it's a terrible song? And kind of just getting to the point of, being crippled by not doing anything too overwhelmed at you know all of the what ifs and and just getting stuck and then reading this book and going oh i just have to turn the tap on and i just have to exercise the muscle and when i sit down to write i sit down to write and regardless of if it's the best song or the worst song that's okay i'm just sitting down to write a song and that's it yeah
0: I'm connecting with this on a level that maybe I shouldn't. This is about you, not about me. But I, at the weekend, I was—I had, I had Saturday. I'm writing a book at the minute. And I had Saturday to myself, no excuses. The mm-hmm. family were away to write, and, and by midday, I'd cleaned the garden, uh, done the washing, I would tidied the house. I've done all the things that I probably my wife would say I never do. But um, I was—I av- was avoiding actually trying to get to it. Mm. When you're when you're successful, and I know that you're on a journey. Right? Mm. I've heard you say you know that you're on the journey and enjoying the journey, and it's not something that you ever arrive at. You're always moving towards, which is good. Good way of looking at things. But you know you've you've achieved a great level of success. Does it become harder to write? I I, I read recently that you know people who who write good books or write a good screenplay or something like that, and they're winning an award for it or they get recognised for it mm. and have a sense of achievement, it becomes harder to then write again because you're now trying to either, you know, maintain that level mm. or surpass it. Is that, is that a thing in songwriting or does it become easier?
1: Oh, I'm sure it, it for sure is a thing in songwriting. Like I think of, you know, these massive artists like Harry Styles and I'm like, man, that guy, like I think is absolutely incredible. I'm like, how does he write another album after this album he's just done and I mean it's like all of these artists that continue to write albums like the amount of pressure that they must feel mm-hmm. you know I don't know if you've ever watched the Taylor Swift documentary and she talks about that in terms of I have to make sure that I'm writing and I get nominated for a Grammy like I mean I'm definitely throwing words out here but I remember, you know, she talked about that and the way in which she was writing and the place in which it was coming from, and then she didn't get the nomination and what that did to her, um, which I found really fascinating, like, listening and watching that. I mean, clearly I'm not there. I'm not Taylor Swift, but... Not far off. <laughs> not far off. But I think the way in which you do something and you go about it is really important. Like, mm. for me, I'm working on my album at the moment, mm. and that feels really scary because I'm like, oh, this is, like, the first official album. Like, I've done EPs and I've kind of done these little chunks that, you know, I have felt really proud of, but now this is, like, this is it. This is the album. Mm. Um, but it's no different to... It shouldn't be any different in terms of, like, my job is to write songs that are meaningful mm. to me and I need to be proud of the work that I'm doing and I think if my focus stays on that and, and and I'm focusing on all I need to do is be myself and allow that to come through with what I'm doing and then I'm okay um, because I think the moment I go well I won an award or I you know that did really well I need to make sure that I top that or I do better or I achieve this award again, like, it it just creates so much pressure Mm. in this, like, rat wheel of having to chase after something that's never guaranteed. Mm. And at at the same time, I think it's also really important to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're growing and you're getting better at. Like, I'm definitely not saying you can't do that because I want my album to be better than what I've done before and I want to be growing and musically expanding and making sure that you know this project is something that I'm equally as proud of as what I've done before if not more but I think the the core behind what why you're doing it and how you're going about it really affects like whether it's easy or not i mean it's never easy it's never it's never there's moments of it being easy moments of going to the studio where you're like oh that was a great day of just smashing a song out on a day but 90 percent of the time it's just the grind and going back into the studio and you know I've got 40 songs to pick my favorite 12 and I don't even think I've got 12 in there and so now I'm like okay now I have to go back to these songs and pick which ones I'm going to rework and rewrite and you know I don't think it's easy but it's it's worth it
0: it's a certain like you just take you just said there about certain days, like the time, maybe the time goes by. You know, mm. I, I can't remember the name. I, well, if I could, I can't pronounce it anyway. There's a psychologist who wrote a book called Flow. I don't know if you've ever read that. Yeah. When you're in your zone and time just seems to go by because you just you're just doing your thing mm. and hours pass by because you've got flow. Mm. I imagine that there are days like that and then, like you said, there are days where it's a grind. Mm. Are there... Th- when it comes to writing songs and creating, are there are there kind of topics that flow better than others? I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that you said earlier, and, and I've read this before, obviously, about you know you write songs based on your experiences mm. because that's you know their feelings, they're, mm. um things you can connect to and relate to, and I think that's why a lot of songs are. Um, you know, more of the negative emotions because mm. they hit us harder, and there's a lot more in of those emotions. Mm. Um, but, you know, do certain things that you write about flow better than others? Is, is, there, a, is there something there or is it just, does it just depend what day it is?
1: Depends what day it is. Yeah. I remember when I was about 15 or 16 meeting with Joel Shadbolt. This was before he was doing LAB stuff. And he was, you know, his our neighbours, who were really good friends of ours, were his aunt and uncle. And they were like, wow, oh, our nephew is this amazing guitarist that like, you should sit down. Like, he's been in the industry. He's, you know, he's wonderful. Like, you should meet with him and just ask him any questions that you have. And so I remember having this conversation with Joel and, and sitting down with him. And his advice was right in every emotion. Like if you're feeling something deeply, write when you're feeling that or write when you're feeling, you know, sad or angry or whatever the emotion is that you're feeling. Rather than going, I'm going to write about it later, write about it when I'm not feeling the thick of that emotion. He's like, the lyrics and the emotion that you get in that, in that time where you go, okay, I'm going to throw myself at it now even though I don't feel like I'm going to do it, Gives you something completely different. And I have often thought of that when I'm, you know, experiencing something that's, like, really hard and I don't want to write about it because it just feels too confronting. So remembering, like, I need to write about it in the thick of the emotion. Um, You know, and so I don't feel like there's necessarily, like, a specific emotion that is any easier or flows better for me. But there's definitely times where I look back on the songs... I'm like, oh, I did write that in the thick of that feeling or that time or that experience and how I've written about it. Like, I can feel that so much more. Um, scary, though, because you're having to be very vulnerable, you know, especially if you're in the room collaborating with other artists and you're like, "That, like, what do you want to write about? And you're like, oh, I want to write about this. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Buckle in, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't feel like I'm. I've... Gravitated towards, well, I know this works for me and I'm going to just stick in my lane. Um.
0: I'd like to take a moment to talk about one of our sponsors. I'm really pleased to announce that we have Sharp New Zealand as a sponsor. And it's great to have Sharp on board because as a customer, I can speak about their products and services from personal experience. And it feels good to be able to endorse and recommend a company because of the level of satisfaction we have regarding the services they provide. And across my businesses, We've certainly been impressed with the care and collaboration we've experienced in our dealings with Sharp. It's certainly a brand that we trust. Sharp has a long history of creating breakthrough products designed to meet the needs of people living in New Zealand. Sharp's leadership in technology innovation ensures it's at the forefront of the pack, providing business solutions from printing and photocopying to interactive meeting solutions and ICT phone systems. No matter where you are or what size your organization, Whether you're large or small, Sharp New Zealand can provide their services to you nationwide. If you're looking to upgrade your technology or renew your photocopier leases, talk to your local Sharp team or visit the website at sharp.net.nz. So what I was going to ask there is going back to the word grind. Mm. um, I don't (laughs) want to pick up on it be negative, but I'm interested in your, your perspective on your career mm. as as a job. I mean, this podcast about life's work is about life and work, and um, I think you know some of the more ignorant of us, I'll include myself in that. And this is why I'm asking because I've got an, a genuine interest. You know, might look at it from the outside and, and see it as a bit of a jolly. You know, it's like they only see the the bits that you know when you're performing and. Mm. You're on the radio. You're on TV. It looks glamorous. It looks amazing, mm. um, but we, we don't know what what goes into it behind the <laughs> scenes, you know. So your work, mm. um, you know, what does that look like? You know how, how much of a how much effort goes into? I right? you know bear in mind I, I have got some ideas of, I've read about certain things. Mm. Uh, you know that you've you've said um, about this before, but I'm really interested in your perspective on your career mm. as that, as a career... Mm. ...and what goes into it. And if, and if you can, while you're talking about that, big question... ...while you talk about that... Did you
1: are right, notes on.
0: Yeah, talk about like getting into the industry, right? And this mm. is that independence thing you, you, you've touched on earlier... ...where, um, you know, my understanding is that you've got to where you've got to... ...at this point in time... Yes, you've had support around you, but you've driven it every step of the way. You've, mm. and you and you alluded to it, you know, being at school, not knowing, well, where do I go? You've driven that. So there's mm. clearly been a lot of hard work in that. Mm. So if you could maybe start there and talk about the <laughs> kind of working at it to get to where you, where you are at now and what work looks like now.
1: It's a large question. It
0: is. <laughs> do you want me to summarise it? No,
1: that's okay. If I forget points, <laughs> you can come back to that. Um, I mean... I've been working at this since I left high school in 2014. It has felt hard. You know, obviously, like you're saying, most people just see the 10% or they see, you know, the release cycle and when you're doing interviews and, you know, playing the shows and it feels and looks glamorous. And I love that part of the job. And obviously you have to love that part because that's a big part of it is playing the shows but nobody sees everything else nobody sees that you know like you're saying I'm independent artist so that means I'm not signed to a label I have to pay for everything I'm the boss of my team I have a team of people I have you know a management team I have a manager and then I have a management team um I have you know an accountant I have a booking agent in New Zealand. I have a booking agent in America. I have um, a PR company. I have all of these different people who in different ebbs and flows, you know, they work for me and they help support where I'm going, Um, which is something I think a lot of artists can forget. You know, when you start getting more and more people involved, like you are the boss. Your job, your career, where you want to go, it's yours. So you need to take control of that and make sure that you are driving the bus in the direction that you want to go in. Because it's so easy. Like, obviously, I mean, I love I love my team. I've worked, you know, with my manager, Mikey, for I think four years now. And we talk on the phone probably like 10 times a day. He lives in Auckland and I live here in Tauranga. And, you know, we pretty much just set up like a webcam and just be in the same office and, you know, it would probably be a lot better. But we have always had the mindset that we need people on our team to help us do the things that we can't do, but they need to be the right people because, you know, if you have the wrong people one degree off, you know, over time you end up in a completely different place than you want to be. Um, so in terms of, like, the journey the last eight years, nine years, it took me about four years to release any music because I was, you know, I'd left high school. I had no idea what I was doing, you know. I was trying. I was – I was. every person that asked me what I did, I was like, I'm an artist, I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure this out, I'm trying to figure out this journey. I had no idea how to do that. I was like, I knew this is what I wanted to do, but I wasn't with a label I was on my own. I didn't have any management. I didn't have a team. Um, I just had a lot of, you know, support and friends and family that were like, you can do this. And so, you know, I got to this point where I had been talking about it for so long and I hadn't done anything about it. You know, I'd been playing shows and I'd been doing, doing stuff, but I hadn't released any music. And I was like, okay third person, talking to myself, was like, Georgia, you've got to put your money where your mouth is. And I remember being like, well, I, I haven't been able to get any NZ on Air funding. Like, I've tried. I don't meet the criteria. Like, I've just been trying to just push on doors and hope that something happens and couldn't, you know, couldn't get anything. So I was like, all right, I'm going to put it out there, a crowdfunded project. Like, I'm going to make an EP put it on Kickstarter, got the entire campaign funded in the 21 days, which was shocking to me. <laughs> and, you know, so then I was like, well, I have to do this now. So I ended up going over to Houston because in that first four years I ended up, I was nannying over in Houston for three months, met some really awesome people. Um, and I was like, I want to do some work with this guy, Abel, that I met over in Houston. So I went over. I flew over. Had what I thought was going to be my EP, and I, you know, was in the studio with him. I think it was two days in, I went home that night, and I was like, "This is old, stale version of myself. These songs represent twenty fourteen Georgia, not twenty seventeen Georgia." Or I have to make sure because there are people that have funded this and believe in me and want me to do well I have to make sure that I'm really proud of what I'm doing so I went to the studio the next day and I was like we're starting again and you know Abel was like okay sure and I started the EP again and and you know I I was like these are the songs I've got parts of songs on my phone I've got you know things I want to rewrite you go and work over there for an hour, I'm going to go and set a timer for an hour and I'm going to work on this and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you a verse and then I'm going to go away and do the same thing again. And so for this whole week, I was like, you can't just make a half decision, Georgia, and wait for someone else to tell you if it's a good idea. Like, you will by yourself here and you have to stick to your gut and you've got to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And so I was like, came home with this EP with, you know I'd written a bunch of new songs I'd reworked a bunch of songs really proud of myself was real pumped felt like I'd navigated you know the biggest mountain Wahoo, go me! and then I was working on this release party in Tauranga to celebrate you know I'd done all this merch done all of this prep and then we go into lockdown three days before this EP comes out and so I'm like Are you kidding me? Like, I've just worked my absolute butt off to get, you know, to work through all of this internal work of, like, expectations and wanting it to be great and what if no one likes it and all of those conversations. And now I'm in at home in lockdown. I can't play a show. I can't do interviews. I can't do anything that I would normally do. And I remember, you know, through that whole weird, wild lockdown. There were so many pivotal moments of just like, I mean, Mikey and I would talk, Mikey's my manager on the phone every day. Like, what can we do today? How can we continue on? How can we carry on? Meanwhile, I was still teaching. I was teaching online. Um, My husband was studying full time. So I was like the sole income earner, teaching, you know, 12 hour days, meanwhile also trying to release my EP and you know I made my office into a big it looked like the Air New Zealand lounge it was purple lights and I borrowed you know lights someone left them outside the house so I could pick them up and create like a stage and do an online release party and so it was like every time I came up to like another hurdle it was like how can we rework this how can we How do we do this? How do we release new music when we've got a two-week window? Okay, I need to make sure that I'm in Auckland for that week. I'm going to come up. I'm going to write a song. And then we'd be back in lockdown again, and I would be at home trying to figure out how to jump over the next hurdle. How do I play shows? Okay, I can't. I can't go touring. You know, your entire year's income over that summer is gone. So how do I, how do I carry on? How do I pay my bills? How do I, all of that stuff? Because you know I'm independent; it falls on me. There's no, no one else to do that, um, and I'm jumping over lots of different things in here. Um, obviously, NZ on Air, like their government or well their, their government, our government, their funding has been an abs... I could not do what I do without their funding. You know, all of the years that I didn't get it, I I kept going, obviously, and eventually I got a song funded, and I was like, ah, now what do I do? You know, but I I could not do what I do without them, because I don't... You know, I'm only just... I've just gone full-time with this. I could not fund my entire project by myself. Like I don't have that income coming in. So I feel very grateful that we live in a country where we have that support. Um, In terms of like what is – is this answering your question? Yes. (laughs) Like like, What if it's such a big question? I know that sounds like there's so many facets to this one question. Um, So in terms of like what it's looked like, like it's looked like a lot of – the last few years, a lot of disappointments and – that probably has more looked like a grind of being like, okay, any normal pathway that I thought existed here does not exist anymore. Like, you cannot be in the same studio as someone else. So how am I going to write? Okay, I need to figure out how to write over Zoom. I can't travel. Okay, well, I need to do a session on Zoom. I mean, Zoom, should have invested in Zoom when that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, like having to relearn how to do everything and get the resources and have the tools at home to do that stuff, you know. There was a lot of adjusting, a lot of repivoting, and and still having this as my goal but not being able to do any of the normal things to get there. Um, intros was, you know, something that I, well, we birthed in that time um, which is the mini web series. I just don't really know what to call it, mm. um, you know, and that came out of lockdown of us going, like, how can we carry on? How can we continue to do something when we can't do pretty much anything? Mm. So I look back on that time, and I think, like, man, there was so – there was so many opportunities that were handed to me and then taken away very quickly – and so many, like, exciting things that never eventuated and tours that got cancelled and, you know, on a practical level, like income that just was non-existent, which meant that I had to teach. It meant that I had to, you know, I had to I had to do online teaching. I had to, ca- like, carry that on. Mm. Um, you know, I've been teaching for the last five years, Um and I've only just gotten to the point where I'm like, I actually have no capacity for it because my, my days, like what I'm doing in my day, actually takes up so much headspace. I don't have the headspace to give to my kids that they need, mm. um, which is hard because I love them and I love teaching. And I, you know, in another life, I feel like I would really enjoy being in that space. Maybe, maybe I'll come back to that space. Um, But there's been a lot of juggling and a lot of, you know, okay, I'm going on tour next month. How do I teach my kids right up until I fly out that day and then teach my kids to catch up for the week that I've missed the day that I fly home, you know? And so what people see on social media is obviously this very small glimpse of, oh, she just went to America, that's so awesome. But what they didn't see is like, I was working 12-hour days in America every day. There was no time to adjust to time zones. I played four shows. I slept on someone's, you know, couch, which fell, you know, broke the first night that I was there. You know, they no one sees that. No one sees, like, I'm such a routine person and having structure and, like, that makes me function so much better. No one sees the lack of that. No one sees like how hard you try to do all the things that you need to, to look after yourself. They just see like, oh, you just played a show in America, that's so exciting. Um, you know, and then I come mm-hmm. home and I'm like, I'm exhausted, but I've got to teach my kids today. Um, and so I feel like it has, it's been an absolute grind, mm-hmm. but I have loved it. And I, I mean, I still love it. And I think knowing that there's seasons where it's like way more intense than others and having just knowing that okay, I'm not gonna have to teach and do this, you know, juggling music and feeling like I'm just like pushing and pushing and pushing forever. Like at some point you hope it tips over. Yeah. Um, so knowing that, you know, there's change eventually has to come at some point, mm. I feel like it's kind of just gone, all right, we just have to push through. I just have to keep going. I just have to Figure out how to make it work and you know,
0: yeah. I, I admire your attitude um, and approach to it. I mean, I think that's you've made it sound quite easy to be able to do that, to, but <laughs> it's, it's not, not. <laughs> I know it's not right. And, and most people are unable to actually see that they need to do that, look forward and say, actually, this isn't gonna last forever, mm. things are gonna change. And if I keep doing what I'm doing, then it, it'll come right again, or you know things will change. Mm. It's it's very hard when you have so many knocks to keep going in the same direction. Mm. Um, but when you want something and as badly as you've wanted mm. your career for so for so long since you were a, a kid, um, you know you don't want to give up on it mm. uh, quickly.
1: And when you have people in your corner yeah. that know you so well and know what you need when you need it you know family friends like I trust Mikey who's my manager with my life and I you know we have worked he works so hard we both work hard I'm like he he's only going to work as hard as I'm working You know, anyone on my team is only going to work as hard as I work because they can only do as much as I give them. You know, they can fight for opportunities, but if I'm not working hard for that, like, that's... Eventually it just fizzles out. Mm. But I think having people on my team who, when I'm having the moments of, like, I actually just want to give up right now, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I've got nothing in my tank, having people that go... Yeah, it's been a really big month. Like, have a few days off, have a few days of just like doing nothing, and then let's talk on Monday. Let's like put your emails down. You know, I think having having same thing again. I determination can get you so far, and having drive can get you so far. But then having people to support you and carry you through the moments where you've got nothing in the tank, I think is like vital. You can't. Yeah. I can't do that, you know.
0: No, it's, it's, a, it's just being human, right? Yep. We need each other. You going back to you know, what you were saying before about, you know, being the sole income earner, having to work twelve-hour days, and you're trying to get this career off, you know, almost on the side, even though that's your <laughs> <Yeah>. absolute <laughs> drive and passion. Um, and you know, COVID gets you in the guts and all that kind of stuff. It's real time. It must take its toll, right? Mm. Yep. Uh, what, what, what impact did that have on you, if any, like, health-wise?
1: Yeah, I mean, my body wise. was not coping in terms of... I started getting, you know, adrenal, thyroid issues... ...and I think when that stuff started happening, I was like... ...I'm 26, I can't be having... ...I can't have this, like, I can't... ...not, not saying, like, I can't have this, like, let's just ignore it... ...like, I can't have this, like, carry on... I'm like, I have to adjust here. I've got to figure out, excuse me, I've got to figure out a way in which this is sustainable because if the goal is is to have a sustainable career, like that is my idea of success. So what do I need to do to make sure that my body is coping and to make sure that I am healthy and functioning well and not even just like doing well as an artist but actually as a person because I'm like that is way more important and that flows into obviously my artistry and I think sometimes people forget that they just see you know George Lyons the artist and I'm like yeah but I'm actually a person and I I've got to figure out how do I how do I do this in a way that I'm looking after myself and obviously that time of like COVID you know my husband doing full-time study like that we knew that that was like it was going to be a really intense time for a year and we just had to we both just had to push through and we just had to do that but coming out of it I was like okay learning about my diet learning about like what is my body needing how do I reset my nervous system how do I have really good sleep hygiene and habits and all of the really practical things that when you start having those conversations, you realize that you're an adult. (laughs) Yeah. You know, how do I, the only nutrients my body is getting is from my food. So what am I feeding my body? What exercise am I doing? What is my routine? And how do I say no? How do I realize like saying no to this opportunity or this, Mm. you know, um, event or, or show, that that isn't going to be detrimental to my overall career. Like, I can say no, I'm allowed to say no, and I should say no um, to the right things and say yes to the right things. So, yes, it played a massive, you know, it had a massive effect on my on my health, but I feel like without that, same thing again, without that moment of, like, realising that this isn't working, there would have been no pivot. And it's just realising that you're on this rat wheel of chasing after something and not knowing what you're chasing after.
2: Mm.
1: So I think that's been a really massive thing for me is realising I have to look after myself. I have to make sure that I'm having really healthy boundaries and having, you know, I just finished this tour um, on Thursday evening and I was like, right, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday no emails, limited time on social media. I need to be making sure that I'm actually recovering in those four days, eating really well, being really kind and gracious and knowing that when I'm tired, that's often when I feel like, oh, I've got nothing in the tank, why do I do this? Going, let's just park all of those thoughts until Monday or Tuesday and then resetting. And then knowing I've got two weeks at home to do all of the things that I need to do, like get myself back in a routine. I'm still working, you know, at home. I still am doing things every day in terms of with my job, but I've got the structure that I don't have when I'm on tour. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, yes. So, so
0: but when you know, like that, that change that you've, you talked about there, the you, recognition that you need to mm-hmm. look at your diet, look at how you're managing your, yourself... Was that kind of forced upon you through a change in your health and someone else kind of gave you a, a, a bit of an indicator to look at these things or maybe start doing mm. something odd? Or or is that, again, something that you've self-reflected on and thought, actually, I need to do something and then start investigating yourself yeah. what you need to probably
1: do? probably a bit of both, okay. of being like, well, I don't actually really know what I need to do here and then kind of having different conversations with people and, you know, someone going, oh, well... Have you thought about talking to, you know, a nutritionalist or have you thought about this person and and kind of finding, you know, following the little breadcrumbs that when you have those conversations of this is what I'm experiencing right now, my body's doing this, um, you know, have you ever experienced this before or, you know, when you have those conversations with people and you find out, oh, this is the journey that they've been on, okay, I'm going to do some more research, I'm going to, you know, Work with a nutritionalist I'm going to work with someone who can look at my lifestyle, look and know what my job and how much stress that that can entail in different, you know, seasons of it, um, and help me figure out a plan so that I'm looking after myself and 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 something that is sustainable and not just okay. Well, this works when you're at home, but doesn't work when you're on the road or doesn't work when you're traveling. Um, And every time I do a show or I do, you know, a tour or I'm travelling, like, I do something a little bit better. And I'm like, okay, well, last time I didn't do these things well, so I need to make sure that I've got, you know, a fridge in my accommodation, in my hotel, or so that I can go and buy food and I can prep for the week when I'm away. It's really hard to prep for the week when you're away if you do not have a fridge. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, so yeah, probably a little bit of like talking to the people, finding the right fit because I definitely tried a few different, um, you know, ways of looking at things. Um, nutritionist was so helpful for me because she wasn't just looking at like my food, mm. but looking at everything that was surrounding that like diet, you know, sleep what am I doing to de-stress, like, all of that kind of stuff, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, what's interesting is that you are, even when you're out of control, you're in control of, of things, right, you seem to be managing yourself and, and quite, mm-hmm. and I don't want this to come across as condescending, but, <laughs> because you're, you know, there's, there's a slight difference in, in age between you and I, only slight, uh, but, like, you know, but, but at 26, was I switched on as, as that and thinking about those kind of things? Probably not. Mm. So it's good that you are, particularly when you're on the pathway that you're on.
1: Mm. And and I feel, it's funny, because when I, I did that trip in March to South by Southwest, that was a real pivotal thing for me, that trip, because I knew going into it, I was like, I there's a lot being asked of me right now. I am playing seven shows in four days, which is a lot (laughs) and not normal.
2: Mm.
1: And all, you know, there's a lot that rests on this in terms of, like, I kind of mentally I was like, well, I cannot guarantee anything from this. I can't guarantee any opportunities. So I'm not going to go into it knowing and hanging my hat on this has to be worth it in this specific way. Like, we've been given this opportunity – So, you know, I was paying for my band to go over. Like, I had to front that cost. But I knew if we don't put ourselves in the game, you're never going to be considered. So for me, I was, like, going into that. My biggest and my only thing that I was responsible for that week was looking after myself. All that looked like was being responsible for when I went to bed I'm like, you guys can do whatever you like. I'm in bed by 9 o'clock, 9.30, you know, if I didn't have a show at night. Knowing, like, if I was in the room with a lot of people and there was loud music, like, I'm not going to try and talk over people because I know what that does to my voice. Mm. I need to make sure that I'm eating really well. So I'm not going to be having barbecue every night of the week, even though we're in Texas (laughs) and that's all I would really love. So I knew, like, this is what I'm responsible for and I – you know, I came home and I was absolutely smoked, of course, because it's wild. It's the wildest week and so fun, but absolutely crazy. And I came home and I was like, I have to start treating this like I'm an athlete. Like nobody treats vocalists like they're athletes. You're just a singer and you just sing a show and you can eat and drink whatever you like and it doesn't affect you. But I'm like, that's not true. And I have to... Just something in my brain was like I've got to start preparing my body and my fitness and my lifestyle in the direction of this so that I'm ready and my body is ready and my mind and all of the things are in place, all of the you know, boundaries are in place so that if I do get asked to be on a tour or I do get a bigger opportunity that I'm not scrambling to get fit in the space of a month that I'm already working on that. And so coming home from that trip, I was like, okay, I have to take that responsibility because no one else, no one's going to tell me, George, you need to get fitter and you need to, you know, work on this. Because if someone asked you to do it, you're like, I'm not listening to you, you know. But that was a really big internal thing for me of going, I have to take responsibility for this because if this is where I want to go, I have to follow through with this being like, this is the next step for me rather than like, yeah,
0: anyway. Well, you have to stay work fit, right? Fit, yeah. Fit for work. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is work. It's like you said, yeah. it's, you know, um, athletes perform.
2: Yep.
0: Um, you're performing, it's hard work. There's a lot more than just, um, the, the, like, I think you said 10%, which might be the, you know, on stage bit. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than that, even though that would probably take a, a lot out of you, the performance itself, yeah, mentally sure. and physically. But the build up to that and everything that goes into it, it, it is like preparing yourself i'm being fit for work right yeah yeah
1: which no one talks about that because it's like you're Ah. in music and you're not you know a runner i'm definitely not a runner but you know it's a very different conversation yeah
0: absolutely what so you talked about going to texas yes and uh seven shows in was it four days Uh, a lot of effort a lot of cost Picks up on the fact that you say "we" a lot. I like that mm. because people see you, you. You know, it is Georgia lines, but there is more to you as you've alluded to before. And I, I like the fact that you say "we." You know, from a leadership point of view, I think that's important. Mm. So y- you all go over there and commit to this full-on week. <laughs> yep. But it was worth it, though, right? Yeah. Because you got a good outcome. Yes. I've read about it. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Okay. <laughs>
1: We're not very good at kiwi, like being a kiwi. We're not very good at saying this is a really cool opportunity that happened for me. You know, yeah. I'm trying to get better at it. <laughs> um, yeah. So coming back from South by, I signed with basically one of the biggest booking agents in North America, um, Westman, which is absolutely wild. So Westman is the company, and Larry Webman is my. Um, agent and he looks after Coldplay and I mean the whole roster of artists like I just looked at it and I was like this is wild that somehow now my name is going to be on this list and there's Coldplay and Frank Ocean and Sarah Barreles and all of these artists they are just you know all of a sudden these artists that feel like they've been over here in America doing their thing like, you're like, well, I'm a part of the same company as them now. Like, I'm – even though they still feel in this world over here, like, you all of a sudden feel like, well, I'm playing the game with them. Yeah. Like, I'm being considered – like, Larry wasn't even at South By. Like, he was following me on Instagram through my drummer, Stan, who is, by the way, he's wild. Like, he's so good. He – he gets up at 4am every single day and rehearses. And I I look at that and I look at that work, work ethic and I'm like, man, I want to be like that. And having people on my team that do that and prep and work really hard before they're needed, like I'm like, that's so inspiring to me. But Larry was following Stan on Instagram and Stan was obviously posting every day about all the prep he was doing for South By. And... You know, tagging me in it, and so then Larry finds me on Instagram, and I have no idea who this guy is. Like, I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Didn't notice that there was, you know, it's, his profile is private, and um, play these shows at South By, and then we get this email, you know, two days after we come home from Larry saying, Hi, you know, my name's Larry, um, I look after Coldplay, and here's a bunch of artists that I personally look after. I wasn't at South by, but I sent two of my agents to see you and I want to be on the team. And that was wild. And I didn't get that email, Mikey, my manager did, and he rang me and both of us just could not stop laughing because it was just like (laughs) this like unbelievable moment of just being like, wow, like we've worked really hard to get here. And, you know, even though we have not arrived, like it's just a really cool moment to stop and be like, someone's seen what we're doing, seen us and being like, I love what you guys are doing. I want to be a part of it. Mm. And, you know, just more feels funny and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Sure.
0: And so they're laughing. I mean, obviously laughing joyfully but nervousness as well. Oh,
1: yeah. And I'm like, what does this mean? Like, I'm like, what does this mean that, like, Larry – on his list of people, you know, the five artists that he looks after, it's, like, Coldplay, Georgia Lines. (laughs) Like, I'm, like, what is that? What do you do with that? And so there was, like, a lot of nervousness of going, like, what does this mean? What am I going to have to do now? Um, And then also both of us going, well, nothing's happened today. All we have to do today is do the things on our list and not get overwhelmed at all of the what-ifs or the possibilities or the, like... You know, because my brain goes to, like, the practicalities of, like, you know, what does that mean? What is? What am I going to have to do? Do I have to m- move to America tomorrow? Like, all of that kind of stuff. So it doesn't mean anything till it means something, you know, until mm. there's, like, something presented on your plate with mm. Mm. a yeah. physical opportunity. Mm. Yeah.
0: But that must feel great, though, right, to achieve yeah, just that, that recognition from someone who's working with those artists on this on the scale that they are yeah. where they are to be acknowledged and recognized that way.
1: Well you're pushing massive, for right? so long. Like I've been it's been nine years, mm. you know, of working and working and working and just keep going and facing so many like moments of disappointment and COVID and all of these, mm. you know, along the journey, all these moments that happen, good and bad, and you kind of just expecting like I mean it's terrible but it's almost like I was expecting there to be like okay we didn't get any opportunities from that we just move on to the next one and we just keep going keep going head down just like let's go for it so I think there was a little bit of like oh wow like you know not expecting a little bit surprised all of those kind of feelings of feeling Really grateful in that moment to be seen, and also just like, oh, someone sees me, like, okay, like, let's just enjoy this moment before we head back down and carry on again, yeah. you know? Because I think, uh, yeah, definitely a feeling of like a nice feeling to feel yeah, like someone's seen, it must seen. be, it must yeah, be. enjoy it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there's something in you what you were just saying there about you know, almost expecting not to get the opportunity, and right, well, and then we'll push on and keep going and keep going. Which is kind of the opposite, I think,
2: mm.
0: of what many people... ...if not most people would think. They would have high expectations of getting something... ...and then the disappointment of not getting it. And then would they keep pushing on? Would mm. they have the enthusiasm to do it? But maybe your kind of approach and attitude towards it is... No, ...I'm just going to keep pushing no matter what. Mm. doesn't matter what knockback you know, comes my way. If I don't get the opportunity, that's not it. I'll just mm. keep pushing. And then when you do get something, it comes as such a surprise because you are expecting yeah. to have to keep pushing.
1: <laughs> I think that's why we're both laughing because we're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, not yeah. we haven't just had the phone call from you know a random booking agent in America. Like yeah. one of there's two massive booking agents, and one of them, I mean, both of them contacted us, but one of them is here wanting us to you know to be a part of the team. Yeah. Like, what? Just You know, shock of that. And and I think maybe there's an element of COVID, you know, the mentality that I guess lingered for me with COVID. is like, if I, yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I'm never going to expect anything good happens because I don't think that's ever been my mentality at all. But I think knowing like, okay, what can I control? what are the things in my control I'm going to focus on them and do and work really hard at those things and everything else is out of my control and I'm going to let whatever happens happen and obviously there's disappointment that comes with that when you Mm. want something or you're working for something and you don't get that or you don't you know people don't like your song or you don't have enough people come to your show or all of those things like that's out of my control so I feel like in COVID, there was this shift for me going, okay, I can only look at and I can only control what I can control. You know, my eating, my sleeping, my how hard I'm working, you know, what I do in the day, my routine. Like, I can control those things. Everything else, I can't. Um, and so I feel like that's always been, you not know, always been, but the last few years, that's been my focus. And maybe why I've felt less smoked by things not happening or things falling through because mm. I'm just like oh well that wasn't in my control so I'm just going to carry on anyway yeah yeah Yeah.
0: no I think it's a, it's a great attitude I, I think that's I, I don't know obviously but I get a sense that that's what's making you successful mm. it's that attitude that probably separates you from a lot of people who try but don't make it.
2: Mm.
0: It's that focus on so far ahead. I'm going to have to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And you, you, you're kind of making it without expecting it. Mm. Well, you are expecting it in the in the long run, but maybe it's coming to you sooner because you're not wanting the next opportunity has got to make it for you. Yes. That willingness to put the hard yards in and keep working mm. for however long it takes, I think means that you are getting recognised and achieving things sooner maybe. Mm. Not necessarily sooner than you deserve, but sooner than you expect, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so anyway, that's that's just that's just how I see things based on what I've heard from you and what I've seen and read about and listening to your music. Mm. Um, so yes, it's, it's a massive achievement already and I wish you well mm. going Thank going you. forward. So just on that note, as we're conscious of the time... Um, and with life's work, we usually talk about legacy. A um, bit early for you, but you know what? What, <laughs> what might your, what would you want your legacy to be if you allow yourself to dream a little bit? I know that maybe you're a bit. Again, I've got a sense from you that controlling your situation a little bit, not letting your thoughts or dreams get
2: mm.
0: run away on you with mm. you, um, which is a good balance, I think. But if you allowed yourself to dream a little bit, what mm. might the future look like, and what would you want your ...legacy to be in the, in the music mm. industry?
1: I think one thing that I've really loved... ...and didn't probably realise how much I would love it... ...and how much life it would bring me... ...when I started doing it was intros. Mm. And, you know, I know we've talked a little bit about... ...that you've watched, you know, the odd episode. And, you know, for me, every time we film an episode... ...I walk away and my tank feels so full... And I'm having, you know, these conversations with these women in the music industry and they're sharing their stories and sharing what they're learning and, you know, things that they've had to walk through and we've created a really beautiful space for those conversations to happen. So I've loved that. And then beyond that, what I've found that I think probably lingers a little bit in the legacy conversation is, you know, it took me a really long time and I felt overwhelmed for a long time. Like, how do I pursue a career in this industry? And how do I, I don't know, when do I sign with the manager? How do I know at what point is it okay, you know, to bring more people on the team? Or how do I prep for an interview? Or all of these questions that, you know, as a young artist, it's really hard to figure out unless you are figuring them out and learning as you go, And so we created industry intros where I was interviewing, you know, women that have been around in the industry for a long time and asking them these big questions and creating this resource for artists. And when we started releasing that, there was something for me that I was like, I feel like this is bigger than... It's not about me as an artist. Like, I'm actually... I feel... I'm hopefully helping another artist who might have a question or who might be you know signing a deal or coming out of a deal or um, you know wondering why no one's replying to their emails um, you know all of these questions I'm like I I've felt that's been a really special space to be a part of and to create and hopefully that would be something that continues on in terms of like for me and what I hope like how people experience me in 20 years time, I hope that I, and I'm sure it will, but I hope that the legacy that's left behind is that I really cared about people, you know, the people that I worked with, the people that I, when I played a show, the people when I, you know, the security at the show, the whatever it is and wherever people come into contact with me, like I hope people feel like I genuinely cared Um Like I don't really, you know, yes the music's great and yes that's like I really love what I do and I hope that people connect to my music but, you know, I hope that that's, it's more than that for me. That it's not just like people remember me for music but remember for me, you know, remember for me, remember me, yeah, for how they felt and felt seen and felt, yeah. What's that? There's that saying that's like, like people don't remember you for something, but how you made them feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Like,
1: I really butchered that quote, but. Um. So
0: yeah, but I understand what you're saying. So you, from a music perspective, mm. you've got your music, but you want people to experience you and and remember you, the artist and who you are. Yeah, and not in represent. a way of being
1: like remember me like make sure you remember me like I definitely don't feel that but feel like you know I want people to feel like oh man I really felt seen by her and she asked me you know remembered my kids names or like you know made me feel like I could do my job and be really good at my job and be my own boss and feel encouraged and you know be another artist and feel like we're not competing against each other and I'd love for young artists to feel like I was someone that supported them and encouraged them and wasn't ever holding back information, you know. I'm like, if I can somehow make a younger artist's journey easier and less of, like, overwhelming to and feel like there is a resource and conversation and the ability to ask questions and to learn and to know who to ask or to, you know, have intros and to have these things that they can look at, like... Like what a win that is! Yeah, everything else like cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's great. I mean, I didn't expect that. I'll be honest with you. I expected an answer to be all about your music and where you're going to achieve, where you're going to be in twenty years' time musically. But I, I expected that you'll be mm. in a great place anyway. Mm. But I think it's a testament to who you are and who where you've come from, your family, and mm. everything that's that's helped create who you are, that actually you've come out and basically what you said is that you want to be able to be of service to people, mm. which I think is fantastic.
1: And it's, I mean, the music's great, but it's like the same thing again. It's like you're more than your job, Yeah. you know, regardless of what yeah. industry you're in. Like, you are more than your job. And the moment that that takes over your whole entire life, like you forget about this... ...other side of you that you're like, I'm actually a normal person... ...that wants to be around my friends and family and do normal things. Like, I am more than my job, you know? Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's easy to forget... ...especially when your job isn't nine to five.
0: Yeah, well, that's great insight. I'm glad you've said what you've just said... ...because I think that's the the, the angle that you know, I wanted to approach... ...is that, you know, it, it is fantastic, your music and your career uh, and their creativity but it is a job mm. and I don't, I don't i didn't want to sort of play it down or anything like not. that but i think that the issue is that people don't see it that way mm. and i think we're missing something by not seeing it that way mm. i think people need to realize just how much hard work it is so that you know when they've got dreams of becoming an artist that it's not easy to do mm. have the you know the reality check of it mm. Understand the amount of work that goes into it it's not mm. just a lucky break Yes, there needs to be a break and someone needs to give you a a shot. If not, you make your shot like you Mm -hmm. have, right? But there's hard work that goes into it.
1: And just because there's hard work, it doesn't mean that it's not supposed to happen. Because I think, you know, a lot of the time people are like, oh, well, too hard, I've tried at it for two years or something and now, you know, I'm moving on to something else. I'm like, just because it's hard doesn't mean you're supposed to do it. Like, Mm. very different conversation if you want to be an artist and you can't sing. (laughs) Yes. You know, but yeah. if you're if you love it and you're passionate about it and you really want to make it happen, make it happen mm. and keep going and figure out how to do it. Figure out what is the very next thing that I need to do. Not okay, well, I want to open in Madison Square Garden this week. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm not going to do that this week. But what do I need to do to make those things happen? I need to focus on the thing right in front of me mm. and just do a really good job at that and just one day at a time, <laughs> you know, just keep going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm. Fantastic advice. Georgia, thank you so much for not just sharing your time but sharing your wisdom mm. and your experience and the knowledge that you've gained in, in your career so far and um, – I want to congratulate you on on where you where you're at and where what you've what you've achieved recently. You and your team, of course. Yes. Um, and uh, and also acknowledge that your music is fantastic. If, if no one's Thank listened you. to it before, they should uh, go follow Georgia Lines on on Spotify. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I was introduced to you um, by my daughter. Uh, incessantly. Love I have to say,
2: awesome. over
0: and over and over again, <laughs> stuck in traffic on the way in from work. Good, um, but yes, great, great. I wasn't complaining. Great I'll music. take
1: that. Yeah, Thank fantastic. You. I wish
0: you all the very best Thank for, you so for much. You. what will be a brilliant career. Thank you. And I'm glad that, that we got to interview you now before yeah. you're far too busy for people <laughs> like us. <laughs> no. Awesome. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. As you all hopefully know by now if you've seen other episodes. This segment of the podcast is all about wisdom worth sharing from our guests who are living a life that's a story worth retelling. At the end of every interview, I look back as part of the editing process and discover some of the gems that came out during the conversation and summarize them here. Now, I don't want to sound condescending, maybe it's just me showing my age here, but I was seriously, and am seriously impressed by how switched on and conscious Georgia is in what seems to be every aspect of her life and she's just 26. I know I wasn't thinking like that at that age but I kind of wish that I had been. I was struck by her ability to learn from life and the people around her. She's very much in tune with how things work, her own mind, health, mental well-being and what it takes to achieve things and keep moving forward. In fact, Georgia frequently used the term keep pushing on. Almost like this was some kind of mantra or philosophy for her. No matter what happens, and interestingly whether it was good or bad, just keep pushing on was her attitude and approach. Having just recently been signed by one of the most successful agents in the business, the same team that looks after the likes of Coldplay, Georgia still has her feet firmly on the ground. She could be forgiven for being excited and letting her imagination run wild with future possibilities. And I'm not suggesting that she isn't excited by the prospects of what's to come. But again, Georgia has the attitude of, well, nothing has changed yet, so we'll keep pushing on. It's almost like she hasn't had that success. She's not counting her chickens, as it were, before they've hatched. Instead, she's working hard and making things happen herself, not waiting for things to come her way. She said, it doesn't mean something until it means something. I think this is both unusual but it's also a great attitude to have. And not typically what you would expect from someone who's been working since she was just a young teenager for an opportunity like this. This is possibly what makes the difference between those who are truly successful and those who think they've made it, but then things don't quite pan out as they had hoped. What I mean is Georgia is going to keep working hard, keep doing the things that make others want to work with her. And it's that work ethic, mindset and attitude that I firmly believe will take her where she wants to go. A common theme across almost everything in the interview um, that I've had with all guests on this show is that success comes to those who are truly doing what they believe in, what they love doing, and as a consequence, they become good at. Having wanted to be in the music industry since she was in her early teens, Georgia feels like it's her calling to be where she is doing what she does. It's so important for us to find our element, what we're good at and what we love doing. If we can find that and then have some of the determination and drive that Georgia has, we too can have success in every area that we want success in and that matters to us. Then opportunities come because we're ready for them and we can see them. If we spend our time in the woe is me mindset, we won't be doing the things that could change our circumstances And we won't see the opportunities because we're not expecting to see them. We see what we expect to see. We don't necessarily observe what could be beneficial to us. And that's down to our level of consciousness. Something that stood out for me in respect of George's character was her life's work, was about working to be helpful to others, to notice people, to remember their names and make them feel valued. She mentioned this again, at the end of the interview, when I was talking about her legacy. I have to admit that this came as a little bit of a surprise to me because wrongly I assumed, it would all be about her music career. And of course it was, but what was most important to Georgia is how she goes about her business and how people will remember her, how she made them feel, not just how her music impacted them. An important point that Georgia made was that while she was in the act, or she was the act. She could not be there or where she is today without other people. Whether that's the band who are as committed and hardworking as she is, or whether it's her family who've been there behind her every step of the way. Not only did her parents encourage her, her dad would always tell her, you can do this. But being business people, they also showed her how to work hard and how to work out how to achieve things. That support, No doubt started when she was 12 years old starting her own t-shirt business and it was quite successful, buying out her business partner and schoolmate for $200. She spoke highly of her manager, Mikey, and how the bond they have is more than just a typical working relationship. They are there for each other, are in this together and talk to each other several times a day. There are so many people that Georgia relies on to do what she does, especially as she's been truly independent artist from the start and driving her own career. She made the point that it's critical to have the right people on the bus. And I was reminded of the Jim Collins book, Good to Great. Georgia said that if you've got the wrong person on the team, they can send you in the wrong direction over time. A little like firing an arrow or a bullet, just one degree out, over distance, that can miss a target by a long way. Lastly, I want to talk about something that Georgia said that struck a chord with me and That's why the title of this show is, How Can I? This has always been a a bit of a mantra for me since I was a teenager, wanting to buy my first car, which was probably a bit too flash and too expensive. And contrary to the advice of my parents, I tried to work out, how can I? I've applied that to so many things over the years, and then it became, how can we? Those three words are quite powerful. How suggests that we're willing to change and engage in problem solving, Can, is a positive outlook, and we means that I know that I can't do this by myself. So who else can help? Let's work together. This attitude has helped Georgia from starting her own t-shirt business. So a couple of years later, being determined to start a music career and then succeeding in that. Importantly, this helped her get through what was a tumultuous time for everybody during the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns. Having created her EP, Human, And expecting to be able to launch that with an event, she had to rethink how she could do it. Georgia also had to teach, continue teaching children the piano and singing remotely to bring in money while her husband and her were studying full-time. Throughout that period, the thing that got her through was a mindset of, how can I? Hopefully, you've been able to take away many insights from this interview that you can apply to some aspect of your own life, work, and legacy. Use them, share them. I always say that sharing is like teaching and teaching helps us retain what we've learned and commit to change, which of course is absolutely necessary if we're going to enhance our life's work. I hope that you're happy, safe and successful in all that you do. And remember, live a life that's a story worth retelling. I'm Steve Worsley and I look forward to seeing you next time on Life's Work, the podcast all about wisdom worth sharing.